0: today on The Exam Room.
1: I feel like you're almost like the Bob Ross of the kitchen. You know, there's no mistakes.
0: Well, here's the thing. The nice thing about cooking is if there is a mistake, you get to eat your mistake. (laughs) Some of the most wonderful recipes that I've created or that I've heard other people create have come from mistakes or from leftovers or from actually running out of an ingredient. So just feel free to color outside the lines. I will say, especially in my book, if you're doing a baked recipe, like if you're baking the cake, please follow that recipe because with baking it's a science you know you can't just say well she said i could do what i want so i'm going to put a cup of baking soda in that won't work i did something once i put too much baking soda in this was hilarious thank god for my husband and it was blending it and i didn't realize i put too much and it's just like i love lucy it just kept rising to the top to the top it overflowed it messed up the whole kitchen so for baking you kind of want to follow the recipe and my advice is In general, when you make a recipe, if you have the ingredients, follow it the way the chef intended or the recipe created the first time and then make your own variations. But with things that are like raw or uncooked, there's no reason you can't play around with this recipe and tweak it to your liking.
1: Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, raising health IQs coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Sacramento, California, Overland Park, Kansas, and Munich, Germany. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 20 of season seven, number 519 overall. And Chef AJ is on the show with us today. We have a Q&A with the legend herself. Actually, this is an excerpt from a longer interview that we did together, one that featured a cooking demonstration and a recipe from her new book, Chef AJ Sweet Indulgence, because she whipped up for us a peanut butter paradise parfait that was out of this world naturally sweetened no refined sugar whatsoever just deliciousness and if you wanted to watch this tasty treat come together all you need to do is hop over to our youtube channel i have dropped a link for you in the episode notes i just didn't think that for the purposes of the audio podcast the cooking demo would translate very well so what we're gonna do here today is jump right into this Q&A with AJ, but I can't stress this enough. The recipe is absolutely phenomenal. If you love peanut butter, if you like the name Peanut Butter Paradise Parfait, like I do, you have to check it out. So click that link over onto YouTube. But for the Q&A, we are gonna get into a lot of fascinating things, including how AJ updates her recipes to make them as healthy as possible, keeping up with research. Plus, we're gonna get her essential pantry items, her must-have spices, tips for combining flavors. She's gonna tell a great story, by the way, of why there are no true mistakes in the kitchen, except for when you are baking. We're going to learn what her husband, Charles's favorite recipe is that she makes and a lot more. Plus, she and I are going to tag team a question from an exam roomie by the name of Deb, who had lost 50 pounds but has since fallen off the wagon gained a lot of that weight back she's feeling down in the dumps so she and i are really going to tap into our collective experiences and see if we can't get deb some advice some motivation some inspiration to get back on track and then stay there plus we're going to talk about sugar which goes to the heart of her book and why that makes mindful eating so dag on difficult So really an interesting conversation with Chef AJ is on the way. And then after the interview, fascinating new details on our snacking habits. The shocking number of calories that the average person is eating every day in between meals and what that could mean for your health. So that study, that information is on the way. But first, let's get the ball rolling with Q and AJ. It's Chef AJ right now on The Exam Room. Thank you so very much for being here, Chef.
0: That is such an honor, Chuck. Thank you so much. And I feel like we're kindred spirits because, you know, we both had issues with certain foods, not all foods, and we both pretty much overcome it. And now we eat delicious, healthy food that will help people achieve their goals as well.
1: Listen, as long as I've got you here, I've had so many questions, AJ, from exam roomies who were super excited that you were coming on the show today. And I just thought it'd be kind of fun to open up the mailbag and and do a little uh, Q&A with you here. Uh, We've got a longtime fan of yours by the name of Allison Mahoney. She's a big supporter of the exam room podcast as well. Hi, Allison. Uh, She says, Chef AJ is my favorite. OMG. She balances healthfulness, flavor, and cooking easily. She loves your three ingredient waffles with the oats, the bananas, and applesauce. She also loves your sweet potato kale chili and the black bean mushroom chili. Hello.
0: That's a very popular recipe. I love easy recipes, Chuck. I went to culinary school, but I don't know how anybody cooks like that, honestly. I mean,
1: I I don't know either. I'm all about the easiness, but you know what? There's, it doesn't need to be a laundry list of ingredients to have amazing flavor. So Allison's question is whether you've refined these recipes over time in response to some new nutrition info that may have emerged since you first
0: came up with these. That's a great question. So I, I don't know if I refine them based on nutrition info, but I try to refine them based on the principles of calorie density, which I don't didn't always know. So for example, I used to eat a much higher fat diet and I was much more heavy myself. I was at one time, 70 pounds heavier than I am now. So it's nuts and seeds. Those kind of things are very healthy, but they're very calorically dense. So this is really like a special occasion treat. So the waffle that you mentioned is very low calorie density. It's a banana, it's oats and it's applesauce. So as I have matured in life, I've tried to tweak the recipes when possible to make them lower calorie density. So for example, this recipe could be made lower in calorie density, how? I'll let you see if you can come up with an answer and then I'll tell you two ways. So one way is instead of peanut butter to use a product called PB2. I am not familiar with that product, but a lot of people love it and it's much lower in fat. So you can make your peanut butter out of the PB2. The other way is to substitute for the cookie crumbs, oats instead of nuts. Nuts are about 3,200 calories per pound. Oats are... 500 calories per pound or something like that. So, so there, that's what I do more is not to base it on nutritional stuff because let's face it with desserts, I I feel like they're, they're, they're meant to be treats. So I'm not looking to make like a kale blueberry dessert, although you could, you know, it's called a smoothie, but, um, That's what I do is to try to make things as healthy as possible. But my my rules are basically no vegan, of course, whole food plant exclusive, no sugar, no oil, no salt. And really, I try not to use flour unless I absolutely have to. Let's
1: grab a question from David. David's looking for some help on what to stock up in his pantry. wants to know what would be on chef AJ's list of pantry items to buy that would make a wide variety of healthy vegan meals and save families time, money, energy, and stress when planning and prepping. What do you got
0: for him? We should could actually go into my pantry. So the first thing is legumes. It can be canned, it can be dried, but I think even if you like to cook your beans and lentils from scratch, there's nothing wrong in having cans on hand. They do have cans now that are salt free, that are BPA free. So a wide variety of some kind of legumes, even lentils now come in cans because you can make a really quick meal if you have those. One of my favorite products to have on hand are canned tomato products. Again, in BPA free cans, my favorite brand. It's called Muir Glen because they're fire roasted. They come both salt free and with salt. So I can, I'm just kind of visualizing what's in my pantry. A lot of big box stores like Costco have really uh, affordable prices on things like, say, tomato paste. I don't use it all the time, but it's so cheap to buy that there. Or canned pumpkin, for example. So I have a lot of canned pumpkin. I can use that in recipes. You want to have starchy staples. So for example, rice, beans, potatoes, those kind of things, whatever your favorite is. So I always have several varieties of whole grains in my pantry. My favorites are our basmati rice. So I have organic white and organic brown. A company I like is called um, Lundberg because supposedly the soil has less arsenic, but also because it's very tasty and it's also organic. But you're also going to see quinoa in there, millet you're going to see buckwheat and you're going to see wild rice. So I always have grains, but sometimes I'm really busy and don't have time to cook grains from scratch. So in my freezer, I have already cooked brown rice and white rice, organic. Many of the stores sell at even regular grocery stores. And all I have to do is microwave it for three minutes. I always have oats. You can buy those in Big stores like Winco, 25, 50 pound bags. Same with rice, by the way, Costco too, rice and beans. I don't buy quite that many, but I always have rolled oats because I use them not only to make things like oatmeal, but I use them in a lot of my dessert recipes. I will have nuts and seeds. Uh, what else is in there? Well, I have, I have some date syrup. Oh, I have a gallon, no less. <laughs> uh, seasonings, oh, seasonings, so important. So I prefer not to use salt. I'm not perfect. I have some condiments with salt, but I have pretty much every standard seasoning that that you can think of. You know, my favorite is smoked paprika. So I have a lot of that, a lot of Chipotle powder. I do buy a lot of the salt-free brands from specialty places like local spicery, like Salacious or Benson's Table Tasty. So I always have spices. Trying to think what else is in there. Oh, uh, fruit. So I, I prefer fresh fruit, obviously, but I do have some canned fruit on hand, like unsweetened pineapple in its own juice that I can use to make ice cream in my Ninja Creamy or when I make a stir fry. I also have canned pears in their own juice in there. I'm doing pretty good without having to look to try to remember what's in there, it's shaped like an L. So it's, uh, it's oh, vinegar, vinegar. I love vinegar and I love every kind of vinegar. I have apple cider vinegar, white vinegar, rice vinegar, unsweetened of course, balsamic vinegar. And many of the higher end, we say higher end meaning higher price because they're reduced and flavored California balsamic type vinegar. So lots of those. And, and the paper towels in there, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely a pantry staple. Um, yeah. Let's grab a couple more. You mentioned spices. Ankit is uh, very much a big fan, says that spices and herbs, they can just bring out the flavor in virtually any dish. Uh, wants to know, though, what are your regular spices? What are the mixes that you use the most? And do you have ones for special occasions and then your day-to-day blends?
0: So I, if I'm trying to recreate something that tastes salty, And I don't want to use salt. My favorites are ones that are already, I'm buying them from companies, Benson's Table Tasty, and salacious from local spicery. And salacious basically has something in it called sumac. And sumac is a wonderful spice, even on its own, that it's not salty, but it has kind of a sour flavor. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but your taste buds are salt and sour apparently are very close together. And it just, it just makes food really, really yummy. For me, I love smoked paprika. I don't know why, but I put it in all different kinds of ethnicity cuisines. I put it in my chilies, I put it in, my, like if i'm making a faux cheese sauce but uh, smoked paprika with a little bit of chipotle powder is just one of my go-to combinations so oh i forgot to mention you know, citrus so i don't always have fresh lemons and limes. so i do have bottled organic lemon juice and lime juice both in my pantry and in my refrigerator so that is one thing i have uh you know i love also using fresh herbs so for example scallions the green part of the green onion Any dish you make, you want to like, you can finish, like, you know, you're putting it on top at the end, whether it's a stir fry or a chili, anytime you put green onions on a dish to me, it bumps up the flavor, the nutrition, and and actually the beauty of the dish. So I feel that for spices, it's a very individual thing. Some people like very spicy food. Some people like my husband, not so much. There's a wonderful book called The Vegetarian Flavor Bible. And what's nice about this book is for people that like really have to know what goes with what, it, it tells you, like it, it gives you the profile of what spices go best with certain kinds of vegetables, certain kinds of soups. So that's a book that I recommend to people that are really having trouble figuring how to spice the food. But, you know, like I I, I always I used to go to Sephora when I lived in LA and they'd have makeup classes and they would teach you how to do your makeup. And then they would say, but there are no rules, wear what you like. And it's the same thing with spices, even though traditionally certain spices pair well with other ingredients, it's really you're the only one that's eating in your own mouth. So it's really going to be what you like. And I forgot one, one spice I always have is cinnamon. Cinnamon is like amazing. And so I, I can't imagine not you know having cinnamon, It's especially the saigon cinnamon, the one that actually tastes like sugar. So spice it to your heart's content the way you like it.
1: Yeah, there's no wrong answer. I feel like you're almost like the Bob Ross of the kitchen. You know, there's no mistakes, right?
0: Well, here's the thing. The nice thing about cooking is if there is a mistake, you get to eat your mistake. And one of the <laughs> I learned, you know, it's funny because I've gone to school and college. I don't remember, you know, nine tenths of what I learned. But the two things that I remember most about culinary school, because it was, you know, almost 25 years ago, is one of the things they taught is this idea of mise en place, where when you're making a recipe, I, when I came on to do this show, I didn't run to every single pantry refrigerator to get my ingredients. All my ingredients were here. So that made it a lot easier. And for the most part, they were measured. And that really helps even if you're just a home cook making dinner. But the other thing they taught at our culinary school, which I think is really great because people just want recipes and recipes. There's enough recipes out there. You've got to learn some of the fundamentals, which is why I like to teach cooking classes in an interactive manner, where I'm actually watching people in their own home cook, which is it's not what you can make, it's what you can fix. Now, are there certain things that are probably not fixable? Probably. Usually, if you put too much heat, like too much hot sauce in a dish or too much salt, you're probably not gonna be able to fix it unless you double, triple, or add more ingredients. But some of the most wonderful recipes that I've created or that I've heard other people create have come from mistakes or from leftovers or from actually running out of an ingredient. So just try to you know, feel free to color outside the lines. I will say, especially in my book, if you're doing a baked recipe, like if you're baking the cake, please follow that recipe because with baking, it's a science, you know, you can't just say, well, she said I could do what I want. So I'm going to put a cup of baking soda in. That won't work. I did something once I put too much baking soda in. This was hilarious, thank God for my husband. And I was blending it and I didn't realize I put too much. And it's just like, I love Lucy. It just kept rising to the top, to the top, it overflowed. It messed up the whole kitchen. So for baking, you kind of want to follow the recipe. And my advice is, In general, when you make a recipe, if you have the ingredients, follow it the way the chef intended or the recipe created the first time and then make your own variations. But with things that are like raw or uncooked, there's no reason you can't play around with this recipe and tweak it to your liking, you know, changing the nut, changing changing the fruit. I mean, I don't know what else, what fruit would go great with peanut butter other than, well, oh, I have an idea. So here's another idea. I just thought of this. So. What do we think of often? What do we often eat peanut butter with?
1: I mean, everything. To be honest with you, but, uh, but
0: peanut butter and jelly. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes, okay. So in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, so if somebody doesn't like chocolate, whatever. They, you know, they can't have nuts. Well, if they can't have nuts, they probably can't have the peanut, even though it's a legume. But what if we layered the parfait with a jam, like whatever your favorite jam is, and you can get them fruit sweetened, whether it's grape jam or cherry jam? Wouldn't that be yummy? I think it would be delicious, for example. What if somebody had cinnamon raisin toast? For example, my husband eats the Ezekiel cinnamon raisin toast. What if I toasted that? What if I wished it in the food processor? What if those were my crumbs? So one of the things I love about teaching, especially hands-on, is because I want people to get creative and I love it when we're out of an ingredient or something doesn't work because that's the only way you're gonna ever learn to be your own recipe creator or grow and probably make a better recipe than what I originally intended. And I'm trying to think of a real life example where that that happened. Yeah. Or, or combining things. So for example, I do another topping like this crumb topping, but it's this it's vanilla with streusel type ingredients. And we did this in a class once. And then somebody said, well, can I put it on my apple pie? And I'm like, well, sure, why not? And so like we changed the recipe. So now we bake it with the streusel topping. So feel free to combine from different sources and create your own recipes. I think that's the fun of cooking, not just following somebody's recipe to a T.
1: You know, I'm glad that you mentioned your husband, Charles, uh, a, a few times now because Mary is wondering, what is Charles's favorite Instapot recipe? What does he get in your ear and say, hey, honey, Would you make this for me?
0: He basically said what I was gonna say, the black bean mushroom chili, because if you think this recipe was easy, Chuck, the black bean mushroom chili is probably the easiest recipe I make. And I say that because one time at a conference with Dr. Alan Goldhammer in Oxnard, California, I cooked it in my car. How do you cook chili in your car? Well, back then I had a car called a Toyota Matrix that instead of a cigarette lighter had an actual plug. There was nothing healthy to eat at the conference. So I went to Whole Foods, I got all the ingredients and I cooked it in my car in five minutes in the Instant Pot. It's so, so easy and it's delicious because you know, sometimes everything in life is sort of a cost benefit analysis. And sure you can, I don't want, I'm not looking for a way to complicate a recipe because when you think about it, Is the return worth it? So for example, in the black bean mushroom chili, we're basically throwing in mushrooms, onion, which both come already chopped, which is why I was able to Make it in the car. The canned tomatoes also came in jars, so I didn't need a can opener. The canned beans also came in aseptic packages, so I didn't need a can opener. The spices were easy. If I'm making it at home or teaching a class, I can teach how to saute without oil and I can sit there for an extra half hour and show you how to saute the oil and caramelize it in the mushrooms. And if I were eating those, say, like on a plant burger, of course it's going to taste better. But in the context of a soup or a stew, Can you really taste that extra half hour? It's not worth it to me. And you know, I'm not a chefy chef in that, like, I will buy onions already chopped up. It it may be a few pennies more, but I don't think it tastes any different than an onion I will chop, which is going to take me a lot longer. It's going to make me cry and it's going to be more difficult. So I look for the the, not only the, the, the cheapest way, but also the easiest way possible. And that is the easiest recipe. And it's interesting because that's the other recipe I make every month for our potluck because it, it it takes no time at all. So I'm I'm into quick and easy if if I have my choice.
1: I gotcha. And let's end on a poignant note. I want to get some help for an exam roomie by the name of Deb, who is looking for your advice here. And I think that uh, maybe the two of us can can combine and give a a really good answer. Deb writes, I lost 50 pounds in the last two years, but succumbed to the sad diet and am ashamed of myself. I've started eating SOS, whole food plant-based again, but when I started eating this way years ago, I didn't get the sad cravings, but boy, am I ever getting them now. What would you recommend? eating to start over again. Just a few veggies to start off, or would you recommend fasting? Thanks in advance for your response. I've gone from sad to miserable, but now I wanna be back on track again. And oh, by the way, she says she has regained 30 pounds. So let's see if we can get some help for Deb.
0: Well, this is, first of all, if if you can, try not to be ashamed of yourself or, or feel shame because your situation is not unique that you have fallen prey or victim to the pleasure trap. The foods that you're talking about were designed to be addictive and to hook you and it is not your fault. However, now that you know that you're vulnerable to this, it is your responsibility to change a few things if you want to see improvements like you had in the past. And so the first thing I would always say to somebody to change is your environment. So uh, Dr. Doug Lyle always talks about you can't change your personality but you can change your environment. And one of the things he taught me when I was heavier, when I met him in 2011, is that we must work harder on our environment than we do ourselves. So you gotta get that stuff out of your house, at least until you neuro adapt again, until you start liking the taste of the whole natural food. That is the number one thing. Can people have success in an unclean environment? some but it's so much so much more difficult so that would be the first recommendation now you talked about fasting and and not everyone can afford or take the time to go to a place like the true north health center if you can it's a wonderful place for healing hope and recovery however every time you go back to the indulgent food this food doesn't taste as good that's just normal and you you need a brief period of time or actually a longer period of time depending on how far deep into the pleasure trap you dove for the food to start tasting good again. And so what I might say is if you're coming off the standard American diet, don't go to kale for breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Ease into it a little bit find things in the whole natural food diet without sugar, oil, and salt that you already like without embellishment. So maybe you like bananas, maybe you like sweet potatoes, maybe you like sweet potato fries in the air fryer. So at the beginning, instead of worrying about nutrient density and focusing on what the healthiest food is or the lower calorie foods, just get off the junk food first. Get And so eat in abundance of foods you like that are missing those uh, chemicals of sugar, oil, salt. And of course, if if animal products was an issue, that as well can take as little as 30 days. I know that sounds like a long time. Some people I've seen it could take 120 days depending on what you were eating, how much. That's why going to a place like the True North Health Center can be enormously helpful or taking the online 12-day McDougal program. So it, it kind of like gives you a little bit of a jump start. That doesn't mean you can't do it at home but you're really going to struggle if your environment is not clean. So I have found that the best weapon against cravings at least for sugar are greens. And it sounds crazy because here I'm saying, well don't 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 eat steamed kale if, you know, you're coming off the sad diet. But what we found in the Ultimate Weight Loss Program really quite by accident, and then it was confirmed in Dr. Greger's book, How Not to Diet, that greens, meaning the dark green leafy vegetables, arugula, kale, mustard greens, collard greens, beet greens, uh, I think broccoli would be considered a, a cruciferous vegetable, even cauliflower, even though it's white, has this compound in it called thylakoids. And they seem to not only block fat absorption, but turn off the hunger switch and really fight cravings for sweets. Now, if you're really craving SAD, of course, you're not going to want to eat them. But if you do just kind of force yourself to eat some of them a little bit at every meal, maybe before a meal, you might find that your cravings are dialed down. Also, I'm not sure what your cravings are for, because for some people, it's more the sweet. For some people, it's more the salty. For some people, it's more the fatty. So what we want to do is find foods that will indulge that craving, but not in an indulgent way. So for example, for people, maybe if french fries were your thing, then I would suggest French fries in an air fryer, crunchy, delicious. You can make a homemade or store bought SOS-free barbecue sauce for people that sweet is their thing. It's very easy actually to make sweets delicious with just fruit. So the salt is actually the hardest, believe it or not, for most people. So give yourself grace. Know that uh, y- you know you've done your best. Bless the rest, and you did it before. You can do it again. You know, success. As Willie Nelson said is just getting up one more time than you've been knocked down know that this is a very hard problem that most people uh, struggle with it actually almost everybody sometimes being in a group is 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 helpful to people you know other people going through the same thing that you're doing um but I wish you luck but like please try not to feel ashamed because uh, this is this is not a very easy problem to solve these foods were designed to be addictive and um, almost everybody falls to their lore. Absolutely.
1: And I wish that more people recognized just how great of a pull these foods have. I mean, when you look at the clinical research that shows that sugar can be as addictive as nicotine or cocaine, that tells you everything you need to know. You know, one is illegal. The other one comes with a warning label, but boy, sugar is just pushed on us and pushed on us and pushed on us and celebrated by and large. And so the game is kind of rigged in that regard. And so there is no shame, uh, there there should be no shame, but I'm sure that that's a feeling that you know all too well. Certainly I was ashamed at one point of where I was with my health, my eating habits, um, and I just was completely out of control and didn't know what to do or where to turn. And so uh, I just hope that uh, this, this woman at some point finds that peace, but she is absolutely on the right track and patience is the name of the game. And honestly, AJ, I could think that something like the the peanut butter paradise parfait would be a great stepping stone
0: baby steps right you know absolutely i i think a lot of people chuck don't realize that i didn't go from being 180 pounds to the weight i am now like overnight i wasn't a a influencer or a blogger or a youtuber i was just a person living my life if i had known that it was going to be relevant one day i might have documented my journey but when i got off sugar 21 years ago i didn't get off sugar you know, Coke slurpees for breakfast and Dr. Pepper big gulps and then have vegetables for breakfast. I did it in stages. It took me 27 months to lose 47 pounds. It didn't happen overnight. And so when I got off of Slurpees for breakfast with eight pumps of vanilla syrup, my first breakfast was a chocolate smoothie from my first book on process called the nutrient rich chocolate smoothie. It had 12 dates in it. That's really sweet. 12 deglet nor dates. Yeah, it had six ounces of spinach. It had two two or three tablespoons of cocoa powder in it, two cups of blueberry, a banana. So this was a, actually a really sweet breakfast. And then later on, I switched to a green smoothie without the dates in the cocoa powder so I went in in gradual incremental stages also I is one of the earlier questions do I do I modify my recipes I try to eat lower calorie density desserts now things that are more like banana oat kind of bakey type of things rather than these rich ones but this is what I was eating to get off sugar like I did not to me dates and these richer vegan desserts were the methadone that got me off the white sugar and then gradually it just my sweet tooth dialed down so the weird thing now is I would rather eat savory food. I mean, like if I'm eating dinner and like I'm still a little bit hungry and we might have this in the house, my favorite dessert is chips and salsa. Like I'd rather eat savory food now. And you know, if you would have asked me that 21 years ago, I said this is never gonna happen. So give yourself not only grace, but give yourself time.
1: Great advice there. And I know that there's going to be a lot more great advice coming with your vegan bundle that's only going to be available for a short time, March 1st through the 10th. $49 gets you how many dollars worth of knowledge?
0: At, it's, I think we're at 7,500 now. This is something I do once a year with my friend and partner, Lisa Maris of Raw Food Romance. And it's incredible because all these creators, and I believe we have 125 now of some of your favorite uh, doctors like Dr. McDougal and Dr. Furman and Dr. Uh, Dr. Jim Loomis with Karen Dugan and so many really talented chefs like Chef Mark Reinfeld and and influencers like Nutmeg Notebook and just wonderful vegan chefs and recipe creators, raw, cooked, some have kids, some don't, Uh, yoga classes, uh, like programs. These wonderful people come together once a year with a new product and If you priced it separately, you'd pay over $7,500. And people say, well, I don't need all that stuff. Well, even if there's just two or three things in the bundle, $49 is completely worth it. A lot of us creators created brand new programs and courses for it. And there's just so much excitement because we come together, the creators, as a community. And from the 1st to the 10th, you're going to be online all day because all we're doing is each other's Instagrams and Facebooks and YouTubes. And when we, we, we build community, but we also build really a a product that we're really, really proud of.
1: I love it. So what a bargain and to get so many names involved in that. I mean, you, you, you just mentioned the doc and chef Jim and Karen. Uh, that's so great. Dr. Loomis and Karen Dugan, uh, man, that's just amazing. And I know that we're going to make it really easy for everybody to partake in the bundle. There's a link down below in the show description or in the episode notes, just go ahead and click on that boy. I mean, again, let's just break this down financially one more time $7,500 value for $49. You tell me where you're going to find a healthier bargain. Than that aj
0: and that's the thing and people say what well, we, you wouldn't believe how many emails we get at like 1201 after the 10th day the reason we can do this is because it's only once a year it's only these 10 days and then it's gone forever and it's funny because some of the programs in there actually cost 300 and you'll see on march 11th it'll be back to regular price just for one product so it's really a, it, it really is a wonderful value we've never had anybody say who. Hey, I didn't like it. They love it. Even even if you have only one thing you
1: love. Hey, I'll tell you the one thing I love today. Peanut butter paradise parfait. Fun to say, even better to eat. So the book Chef AJ Sweet Indulgence coming your way this summer. Be sure of course to check out Chef AJ live everyday Monday through Friday live on your Facebooks and follow on Instagram the real Chef AJ and
0: chefaj.com. You're all over the place, Chef. I try to be all at once too, everything, everywhere, all at once. Chuck, I do want to mention that not only did Dr. Neil Barnard graciously endorse the book, but this is the cupcake that started it all. And I tell the story in the book, I was creating a fancy schmancy, I was catering a fancy event in the Hollywood Hills and Dr. Barnard was one of the guests. And I had made these cupcakes. This is the uh, peanut butter stuffed chocolate cupcake with peanut butter chocolate ganache. And it, somehow he didn't get one. And like we ran out, there were 200 cupcakes, but luckily I saved one. And just as he was leaving, I gave, got, gave it to him. He, he ate it in the car. And he actually wrote me a handwritten thank you note uh, for that cupcake. And he remembered it years later. And that was just, he's such a kind person to do that.
1: Well, I mean, that's a life-changing cupcake. Just looking at that thing, hold on, let me pull you up full screen one more, right. yeah,
0: that. Well, we can make that for your birthday, the peanut butter chocolate uh, cheesecake. It's a frozen dessert that will knock your socks off. I used to make for one of my celebrity clients in LA. My God.
1: I might be flying out to your house for my birthday. Birthday present for myself. Wow.
0: And We could do stuff in the kitchen. That'd be great.
1: All right, let's see if we can make that happen. Holy Moses. The peanut butter calls to me, AJ. <laughs> that's so good thank you so much for your time. you've been so generous i can't wait for the book and the bundle of course march 1st through the 10th click that link ladies and gentlemen it is the healthiest bargain of your life aj thanks for being here
0: thank you chuck and thank you everyone for watching best of health to you
1: Don't forget you can see the full interview that includes AJ hard at work in her kitchen making the peanut butter paradise parfait from her new book, Chef AJ Sweet Indulgence. That is up on YouTube and there's a link to it right now in the episode notes. Plus pre-order your copy of her book as well. speaking of the book i really want to try those pcrm muffins man they seem like they are going to be amazing so good so good everything in that book by the way this is what makes it so special everything in the book no added sugar all naturally sweetened definitely two big thumbs up for aj for coming through for us big time especially for those of us with the sweet tooth that peanut butter paradise parfait today yes indeed All right, so we have talked about dessert on the show today, but now let's talk about snacks. Mention this at the top of the program, snacks. A new study shows that we love our snacks. No surprise there, but to what extent? Well, according to a study of over 20,000 Americans, the typical person is eating an average of four to 500 calories worth of snacks every day in between meals, and they say that's more than most people eat for breakfast. Now, Christopher Taylor is a professor of medical dietetics in the School of Health and Rehabilitation Sciences at The Ohio State University, and he is the study's senior author. And he says that we don't even realize the magnitude of our snacking habits until we actually take the time to examine them talking about eating about a full meal's worth of calories just from snacks. He says, quote, You know what dinner is going to be. It's going to be protein, a side dish or two. But if you eat a meal of what you eat for snacks, it becomes a completely different scenario of generally just carbohydrates and sugar, not much protein, not much fruit, not a vegetable in sight. So it's not really a fully well-rounded meal at all. And in this study, snacks account for between 19.5% and 22.5% of our total energy intake for the day. So that's all of the calories right there, 19.5% to 22.5% of them. And they contribute very little nutritional quality. I mean, these snacks, most of them are what we would consider to be convenience foods that are high in refined carbohydrates and fats, sweets sometimes alcoholic beverages, or soda, or another sugary drink. And then behind that, in terms of what we gravitate toward, popularity-wise, then you can get into some proteins, dairy, and milk. But then further down the list are the healthier snacks that we should be gravitating toward. Fruits and grains. And then lagging way, way, way behind those even are vegetables. But, There was one bright spot in the study. The research finds that participants who had type 2 diabetes and were attempting to maintain healthy blood sugar levels, they actually snacked less, ate less junk food than those who did not have diabetes or who were pre-diabetic. And Taylor says that's because diabetes education programs are working. That's why we talk so much about diabetes here on the exam room. And so he offers some practical advice for snacking as well. He says, look, we have to stop demonizing individual foods and instead look at the total picture because just removing added sugar won't automatically make inadequate consumption of vitamin C or vitamin D or phosphorus or iron levels any better. So look at the totality. It's not that you're not eating a twinkie it's what are you eating instead of a twinkie you can't go from a twinkie to a ho-ho and think that you're going to call it good even if something's been fortified in there instead of the twinkie reach for an orange or an apple or a banana look for snacks that emphasize the total dietary picture of what it is that you need And a pro tip, if you're just getting started on this, something that might help you out, Dr. Jim Loomis from the Barnard Medical Center, one half of the Doc and Chef, he turned me on to an app called Chronometer, and I've actually switched over to that. I now use it religiously on my iPhone to track what I eat. And I think that it is fantastic. It is so easy to use. It is really enlightening to show you where you're coming up short. Even if you think that you're doing really well, it never hurts to check in every now and again, just to get the pulse of your diet and with chronometer you can actually scan the barcode on the food right in there pops it in there automatically and it just makes it so easy to fill out really detailed easy to use analysis i can't recommend that enough but this study also a fascinating read and there's a link for you to check that out in the episode notes quality research out of the ohio state university now look this is not a plant-based study but the idea of looking at the full picture is a good one, no matter what type of diet you or your loved ones are eating. Get a gauge, how are you doing? Never hurts, never hurts. I'll tell you what else wouldn't hurt. Joining me, Dr. Neil Barnard, Chef Dustin Harder, and the incredible weight loss success that is Stephanie Ignafo from Plantspiration. We are going to be getting together to tape an episode of The Exam Room and celebrating the release of Dr. Barnard's new book, The Power Foods Diet. And everyone that night, March 26th, will get a copy of the book with their ticket. And tickets are on sale right now. This is going to be at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Tickets on sale right now, pcrm.org slash events. Or click the link in the episode notes to get your seat today. This is a night filled with laughs and learning and inspiration and the breakthrough plan that you have been waiting for one that traps and tames and burns calories for easy and permanent weight loss. So pcrm.org slash events, or click the link in the episode notes to get your tickets today. Hope to see you there. The National Press Club in Washington, DC on March 26th to release the new book, The Power Foods Diet from Dr. Neil Barnard. One night only going to be a blast. And don't forget, While you're popping around on the interwebs today, if you feel like you've raised your health IQ by a point or two, you want to support Chef AJ, you want to support the Physicians Committee, you want to support the exam room. Hop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, look for the exam room by the Physicians Committee, leave a five-star rating and hit that subscribe or that follow button. And then if you want to tell us what you like about the show or how a healthy diet has improved your health put that down in a review we love to share those here on the program as well so it only takes a minute and the links to everything are in the episode notes for you as well but for today that is going to wrap things up i want to say thank you one more time to chef aj for being here and raising our sweet health iqs and for everyone at the physician's committee i am the weight loss champion chuck carroll thank you so very much for listening And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.